Okay. Welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Delaware podcast. We are delighted to have Craig Hannon and Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Wrap joining us. Um, we were almost uh, kind of together in person at the end of March, um, but obviously world events overtook us. And uh, so uh, you know, I guess I guess as a backup here, we, we have them here today uh, to talk about a bunch of things, um, how the Anfield Wrap got going, their experience as fans, and maybe share some stuff about our own experience, supporter experience uh, here in the US. And of course, we'll finish off with uh, kind of the old favorites in terms of what, what, what we've been reading on our Facebook post, uh, posts this week. Um, before we get started, just a couple of quick announcements. If you are in Delaware and you're looking to watch next week's uh, Everton game, um, uh, we've got a couple of options. One is we've got an outdoor projector setup which um, we'll be able to show the game on uh, capacity will be limited so if you want to know more about that send us a message at lcdelaware at gmail.com um, the bar also will be open we're waiting for kind of final instructions around that but you will definitely need a reservation uh, and social distancing and masks will be obligatory as, as part of that but uh, the, the the bar is open so uh, or at least, sorry, the, the restaurant is open, the bar is not. Um, so there is an opportunity to watch, but not quite in the way that we uh, usually do. Um, so what else? Oh, oh, quick shout out for uh, Charlie, quick shout out for uh, koozies, which are moving along very nicely, but we still have quite a few left. Beautiful. Not only keep your, uh, your beer cool, <laughs> and your hand keep warm. your hand and from being too cool. <laughs> yes yes so yes delaware's very own uh, the special item uh, i keep saying you can actually order these directly off the anfield shop but you have to buy them in batches of 200 so uh, that might be a bit off-putting uh, so <laughs> you can get them in fours from us it, seriously it is on the anfield shop you can buy 200 um Okay. Uh, yeah, didn't didn't want to. Uh, before we get started, just want to say a few things. We had we had Haytham on from Chicago last week, and we talked about Black Lives Matter. A couple of things we want to just we want to keep that conversation going. Um, one thing we would kind of suggest you go do is go look at LFC DC's uh, Twitter account. That that LFC DC uh, DC Washington DC. Obviously, um, they put out a really uh, cool statement today. So go take a look at that. Uh, at the very least like it uh and we'll we'll be sharing our own version of that message uh hopefully in the upcoming week um and sean you had a couple of other people that you would kind of recommend that people go take a look at their work yeah there was just as a part if you read the lcdc statement at the end they they have a few people to follow on social media uh -huh. and uh so i was just going to mention a few people that i started following um the first is uh, Philip Atibo Goff, and you can I think you can follow him on Facebook, definitely on Twitter. He's the head of the Center for Policing Equity, and he's from Philadelphia, so he's testified before Congress on the topic, and super knowledgeable guy. He's on TV some these days. And then the other guy's uh, Michael Harriet, who's a journalist for The Root, and um, a lot of interesting things. Uh, there's one series of tweets that I, I read of his uh, from last year on sort of uh, post-Civil War Reconstruction era um, and, uh, you know, events kind of surrounding that. So just, you know, two names, two other names to, to, to mention. I think their, their intent was to um, help people kind of educate themselves on some of the topics if they're not aware. So anyway. Yeah. Great. Thank, thank, thanks, Sean. So, um, well, moving on to, uh, I guess, uh, I say this way too much, but the most important of the least important things. Um, we're we're, we're going to um, delve into a few different things here. But first, first of all, uh, I, I really would like to get uh, Neil and Craig's stories about their kind of earliest Liverpool memories. Um, it's something we've had fun with um, so far. So, you know. Um, well, mine is I'm, I'm a, in my first game um, from uh, 86, the running of the 85-86 season. And I was five and a half. And uh, we went to see uh, Liverpool play Birmingham City at Anfield. Uh, there's only about four games until the end of the season, although you know my sort of uh, recollection of this is up in the air. But I went with my dad uh, and Liverpool beat Birmingham 5-0. Um, and they went on and they, they beat Everton 3-1 in the cup final. Um, and 
Uh, but they beat the uh, that kit is behind you. Uh, the eighty five eighty six one, I think that is. Yeah, uh, so a couple as I can see there. Uh, and they uh, they they beat Birmingham five nil, and it was Gary Gillespie hat trick of all things from centre half. And I've never seen the video of back. I've never seen the goals back, but I can remember a couple of the goals. He takes a penalty for the fifth. So Liverpool are 4 0 up, and it's Liverpool get a penalty with five minutes to go. And so the cop calls for Gillespie to take it. And I remember Kenny's on the pitch, like calls Gillespie forward to take this penalty, which he slots and he gets his hat trick. Um, and that was that was my first game. And if it was spool forward uh, about sort of let's say thirty years, um, and when I was in about two thousand and fourteen, I went to. Uh, I was asked by eight by eight to the football magazine in the US to act as a stringer. They'd done someone had done a piece, but they needed to get a bit more out of Gary Gillespie. So I went up to Southport from Liverpool City Centre, where I then lived, uh, and I went up to Southport and I uh, went to Gary's house, being given the address. I went in through the front door, and the first thing you see on the right hand side as you walk in is the match ball from that game, uh, which has been signed by all the players. And I nearly had an existential crisis. Like, here's the match ball from my first game. Like, I was nearly in tears. Gary, who, by the way, thinks he's just got some some lad coming in to do an interview that's going to take five minutes, wonders why he's got this this person who's just frozen, uh, like absolutely frozen and staring at this ball with intent. Uh, and yeah, uh, I was just like, I was absolutely overwhelmed by it. It was it was like I was Don Draper in an episode of Mad Men, uh, a full full-on breakdown and, and Gary couldn't have been nicer and we did the interview and he, he drove us back into town but you know I want to play the long game and see if I can get him to to, to, to bequeath me that ball and any will um to be quite honest with you but you know you never know uh, we'll see how it goes seems that's my first memory seems a reasonable request <laughs> my one uh so I my mum's side of my mum's side of her family um are United fans United season ticket holders you know go to all the games bend all the European cups um, and so my early memories of being a Liverpool fan was going round to their house and almost like um, being me and me to feel like the black sheep in the family. Like there was constant, why have you let this happen? They'd be saying this to my mum. And the reason I, I, I got a Liverpool shirt in the, in the first uh, instance, I was four. And my dad lived in and, and worked in Liverpool at that stage during the week. Um, and, he, and he got me a shirt. For some reason, I was asking him for this shirt. And he said that we used to watch Match of the Day together. Um, but at that stage, it was no, you know, I wasn't watching it as a, I was, I was just a kid that watched it while he watched it. And for some reason, I was asking for a Liverpool shirt. Now, all my mates were United fans. Like, I remember having a pencil case when I was sort of five years old and uh, and um, having it in school and, and people like trying to write on the, the pencil case because they were United fans. Like, <laughs> most people back home are United, I suppose United or Liverpool, but at that time, people my age were mostly United because of the success and, and yeah. so on. So, my earliest memories are sort of being tortured and tormented by United fans <laughs> uh, and, and sort of having to grow through that. And, and um, I know Neil mentioned his first game. My, my first time watching Liverpool would have been sort of seven or eight. They used to come to, to Belfast to play in this tournament every summer um, you'd have like uh, some Irish teams and you'd have like Benfica and Liverpool or Feyenoord and Liverpool which is mad now looking back on it uh, and so my dad used to take me to that and then we went to Celtic Park to see them it was always pre-season games just because um, it was difficult to get tickets and stuff um, so yeah my earliest sort of memories were, was actually watching Liverpool and Belfast which is which is very strange um, but just sort of being in awe of like the actual footballers that you watched on screen, like that they were there and they weren't the posters on the wall. They weren't the, the you know, they weren't pixelated on, on match of the day. Um, so yeah, that's mine. So who were the guy, who were the people who were playing on the team at that point? Uh, so it would have been, um, it would have been sort of 98, 99. Michael Owen had just uh, broken through. Um, what what the, the funny thing about that was that they used to after the games in Belfast they used to to fly straight home um, after the game, but back in those days the football teams didn't move around. You know they didn't have like big security taking them through. They didn't go like you know round another exit. They they got the they got the, the same flight that everyone else would have been getting from Belfast to Liverpool, and so. Of you know you're able to go through straight into the lounge and and we used to do that after each game and sort of go and meet them so like we met I remember I mean there's a picture of me and Carragher's lap and um like just with all the players I remember um meeting Fowler and I'm eating a Magnum uh but I'm still continuing to eat the Magnum during the during the um the the the, the picture I actually 
I actually ended up, I was in America with Fowler once um, in Utah, which is just mad anyway. And we were eating a burrito together. And I said to him, by the way, I got a picture of you when I was like eight and you just kept eating your Magnum. And he just laughed. <laughs> um, there is, the, in, in the picture with um, with Jimmy Corrigan, there's, there's Corrigan and there's Murphy. And in the background, is Steven Gerrard. But Steven Gerrard's kept his head down and he's kept he's continued eating because we obviously didn't know who he was at that stage. It would have been 98, uh, I'd imagine. So he would have been a youth team player, probably just taken over to, to you know, to be part of the pre-season. So I've, I'm in this picture with Carragher and, and, and Danny Murphy's there and there's Gerrard sitting in the back eating a burger, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I, I, it was only like 10 years later when I found the pictures. It was like, that's Steven, that's Gerrard in the background. <laughs> That's funny. I should get that picture and put it on the cover for this edition. That'd be, uh, I've got it, yeah. I'll send it to you. I've got oh it. I've got it somewhere on my phone. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, so move, moving on then, um, the Anfield rap uh, is, is, is a real phenomenon. Um, Going to be the podcast of the year this year, do we think? If people vote for us, so vote for us. <laughs> done. We've we've done that. We've yeah. shared it around. So uh, yeah, vote again. Um, you know, this is this is gerrymandering. This isn't democracy. This isn't a meritocracy. Uh, this is uh, yeah. Uh, we very much uh, you know. I mean, should anybody ever ask, play by the rules. But you know, yeah. take that with a pinch of salt if nobody asks. I, I, I someone uh, who you probably know uh, did say that she had used all her email addresses to vote. So that, that, that that's a perfect number of email addresses to use. All of them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe maybe we should start thinking about creating new email addresses if you're listening. Yeah, uh, that'll be the next move. I think. Hey, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Well, where, 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 do we vote someplace? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, go on, Craig. British Podcast Awards. Uh, dot com or or dot co uk i can't quite remember forward slash vote um or you can go to the amfield forward slash vote for tall okay either or it'll bring you to the same page yeah. and i'll put the link on um the the recording after this magic thank you all right thank you oh so so where did it all start i i confess i, I don't know this story but i know you like had a weekly podcast right uh, yeah, I mean, the story is somewhat, um, you know, it, it's like all good stories, it changes with the telling, but ultimately it's Andy Heaton and Gareth Roberts who came up with the idea of doing something that looked and, and felt a lot like the Anfield rap, and this was in 2011. Uh, it was off the back of, you know, post-Hicks and Gillette era, which had sort of coalesced a lot of Liverpool support into at least all being in the same room together uh, at different times. And and Gareth uh, was was editing Well Read, and Andy had been a uh, founder member of Spirit of Shankly. Um, and they began to meet, and then they spoke to Jim Bowman and Ian Maloney. Um, and then the, the the Anfield rap was was on the agenda, and, and Andy asked me to host it uh, a couple of times in the summer of 2011, and we did the first one in the August of 2011. Uh, and then from there, it was you know it, it it was it was an idea whose sort of time had come. It was just as podcasts were beginning to explode. But the magic ingredient was people all being in the same room. Um, so they, they invested in getting time and space in Park Street Studio uh, on a Monday where it had a proper producer. Uh, we made sure the sound was right. Uh, and that, that really helped, helped, helped the format, helped the show and <clears throat> helped it settle down into something. And then uh, uh, John came on board. John Gibbons came on board after about sort of 10 shows or so. Um, and from there, it, it sort of just, just grew and... Um, it was it was always done on a Monday at eleven o'clock, and then Radio City Talk asked us to do a show, um, which was really important to the way in which it all sort of evolved. Um, so we started to do a radio show, and quite quickly that became live radio, um, and that was just unbelievably valuable for us. You know, me and John going to host that at the Tower uh, every Friday uh, live. We did our first live show in Bray in the February of twenty thirteen. Um, which was, you know, 500 people came to Bray, uh, which just never seemed likely or on the cards. And that, that was, you know, massive for us. And then by about 2015, we had a load of contributors, but we were only doing two shows a week. And we, and we had the idea to pursue a tour player, uh, which is our subscription service, which was about the 14 shows a week um, and now 10 video as well. And we started that in the March of 2015 uh, for free. At first, first six weeks were all for free. Uh, but then we kept two shows for free um, and paywalled the rest. Uh, from sort of the end of April in, in 20, uh, 2015. Um, and then from there, we've been sort of just growing and growing. You know, we've got loads of contributors, which is great. Um, you've been over to the office, uh, which is which is ace. And, you know, it's it's a good place to be. It's it's, it's a good place to work. Uh, Craig came over um, from, from, from Northern Ireland. He got a job somewhere else. And then he was, uh, you know, he told us one night drunkenly he was looking to move somewhere else. And then we decided that we'd see if we could 
tempt him to come and join the Anfield Rap full time, and that worked. Um, so that was great. Uh, and we've just sort of added, and now we've got sort of 13 full time staff uh, working out of the city centre, helping us produce all this stuff and everything else that we do around sort of partnerships and working with other. Uh, bits of bits of the, the city to be honest with you and then looking to go beyond that tell stories around football tell stories of a separate of football uh, work with people who support other teams and you know it's 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 a lot but it's a good lot and it's a really you know you can't be got first to be proud of it but also secondly you know it's a it's, it's a good way to to spend your, your working days and it's you know it's, it's a lot of fun uh, everyone's good people who we we work with and 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 do the shows with and that's you know the trite thing to say is that we'd be nothing without the audience and there's a, an element that's obviously true but for us our contributors are just the absolute lifeblood of what we do you know they they turn up and they give ever so much of themselves and now they don't turn up as such you know everything's remote at the minute but you know they give themselves over their insight the time but just themselves really because we don't ask anyone to be an expert you know you come and do a post-match show with the Anfield rap uh, you know at, at Anfield uh, the most important thing is that you've just been in the ground you don't need to have been to you know you don't need to have I've, I've got your coaching badges or anything like that you just need to have lived um, that football match and that's what we want and that's what we want to put over and we sort of pride ourselves on telling the story of supporting Liverpool uh, from the heart of the city um, that's what we see ourselves as doing and, and it's a good thing to do so, so when did it, when did you reach the point where you realised it was kind of a viable like this was this is going to be my job 2015 so around the summer of 2015 was the point where we we just had um we just committed uh to the to the idea that there was something there um and then essentially when we we we, we put it behind the paywall um you know it was, it was five pounds a month then um as it went on to be for, for the following sort of four years um but we essentially like two and a half thousand people signed up in the first three days um, and that, you know, straight away gives you a sense that there's there's cash flow there, you know, there's, that you, there's something that c- could be something there. Um, <clears throat> and that was, you know, hugely important uh, to us that that sort of early uh, uh, adopters uh, in such large numbers was was hugely important. And, you know, we were still, well, and we still do, but we were, we, you know, we were making mistakes around some of that content. It didn't all work. We got shut of some formats early, brought other ones in, but we sort of knew we had a hardcore of people who were there for us um, and would be, sort of broadly speaking there for us no matter what so that gave us you know the feeling that we had something and then it was a matter of us sort of building it and and, and finding other people to come join be part of it and and hopefully convincing other people to also then become sort of hardcore adopters i think in general p- paying for content in this this era is is still troubling to some people and i understand that and you know we we have to sort of work within that but we think we do give you know really significant value to be honest with you we think the shows tend to be really good there's obviously always one or two bum ones any given month but on the whole i think most of what we put out is really strong and some of what we put out i think is is tremendous in in all seriousness so within that you know the thing i always say and we've been having a chat about a few things recently me and craig is you know what we want is to make sure at least once a week someone's coming away from it thinking well that was worth me subscription money this month alone and if you've got one of them every single week, then, you know, people feel like, yeah, this is, you know, this is worth doing. And, and it is worth sort of saying that we couldn't do it. Uh, we really couldn't do it if it, if it, if it wasn't uh, for people paying and subscribing because we've done it the other way. Um, and there really isn't, you know, without being, without sort of stripping it back to a, a boring business conversation, but there really isn't the sort of partnership or market and spend out there uh, that would allow you to do the Anfield wrap uh, for free. Um, there has to be at some sort of point, I think, an, el- an element of commerce uh, for us to do what we're doing now. Um, so it is, yeah, I'm not, not even what we're doing now, even what we were doing when there was only sort of five of us working full time. We still would have needed, we still needed that sort of that idea that people were, were, were paying for this. But also, I think off the back of that, I think that, you know, a, a financial relationship is actually a good one. It doesn't need to be seen as a bad one uh, because ultimately we back ourselves that you're paying for this and it's good. Uh, you know, we, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting something that is a really, really good thing, and we're, we're proud of that, and we'll, we'll keep giving it to people. Great. I, I think one of the things that's made a big difference, actually, uh, in terms of thinking about paying for content, is there's a lot of talk here about people cutting the cord. So basically, you you basically buy you know an app to show your TV channels, mm. and that allows you to be a lot more selective. And, and if you, I, I mean, uh, hopefully you'll love this because I I did a spreadsheet of all of the things we were spending in terms of content and like we took away cable and then I was able to, you know, then, then pay for LFC TV or Amazon prime was like, well, we're going to pay less if we do it this way than if we go use the old model. So. 
I can send you the spreadsheet if you're interested. I, mean, <laughs> I love a spreadsheet. You don't need to worry about that. I do know that, yes. Yeah. Send me a spreadsheet so I can make my own. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, if anyone wants a spreadsheet, happy to send it to you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the diversity of content is one of the things that I found, uh, as you said, that, that makes the paywall um, not feel that bad because like if it was like here pay us this month for one podcast each week then you'd be kind of like well when there's a bad one you'd be like well that was a waste of money this week wasn't it yeah but the fact that you've because i I've, I've got it just on my phone so when i go to run on the treadmill i'll pick i'll say which show do i want to listen to today um and just having so many choices like basically one day a week mm -hmm. i can pick something different and there's it can always be something different so i think that's something you guys really do well yeah, we we want to we want to offer that sort of look and feel of you know what sort of mood are you in for this because there's mm -hmm. you know as football supporters we are in different moods sometimes we just want to laugh sometimes you want something tactical sometimes you might want something that's gossipy some you know but what we want to be able to do is that within reason anytime any Liverpool supporter have got the Anfield wrap up there's something there uh, that that sort of falls in and fulfills that need and I think that that's that's always been our outlook. And sometimes when we sort of talk to, to customers, they're a bit like, well, why don't you do more of this? And it's like, well, we, we do a lot of it, but we're not just going to focus in on X. You know, a lot of people are convinced, for instance, that uh, everyone's favorite show is the, everyone who, everyone whose favorite show is the review is convinced that the review is everybody's favorite show, which is a thing that we all have, you know, is, yep, so we've got a hand up there. And everyone's convinced. And then we do our marketing thing uh, that, 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 that John does, and it comes in fourth. Uh, behind some stuff that you'd be actually, you know, at times a little bit surprised by. But that's not to talk the show down. It's just that it's not quite for everyone and yeah. not for everyone every week. And I think that that, you know, sort of being able to 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 say, well, what is and what we try not to do and what we're trying harder not to do because there's a couple of little things we're working on at the minute is to have a duplication. What we don't want, you know, and it's quite interesting because we've got three or four different shows that preview the weekend's game, but we want all weekend's games, but we want them to feel like they are different shows. So they'll have different flavors to them. They'll have other stuff going on and, and trying to sort of work that out is really important to us because obviously the, the games are the lifeblood of, of football support and they always will be. You know, you talked at the very start of this podcast about where to watch the games. Games are everything. That's what we're in it for. But therefore, within that though, how do we tell the story of those games in different ways and give people the option for how they want to do that? And that's the sort of stuff that we maybe talk about at times it might feel like a little bit too much uh, for some people, but it's, it's that we want to get that right and, and get that right for a, you know, for what is also a hugely diverse with one key thing in common, the support Liverpool football club and hopefully a second thing in common. They've got the interests of the city of Liverpool at heart, but you know, it is a hugely diverse uh, number of people all around the world. Uh, you know, every, every other, every outlook possible should be in there. There's nothing that should limit that. And, so we want to be open to that and we want to be available for that. So we've got to think, well, how do we cater for all those people? I think the, the exciting thing for me is that, and we say it like quite a bit to ourselves, but that like we make our own rules. Yeah. So, so like we've got, we've got like a bit of a mission statement that's to share the experience of supporting Liverpool from the heart of the city and nobody does it better. And, and, and so like, obviously like one of the values there is like excellence about making sure that everything is as good as we can possibly do it. But like also, you know, we don't have to, it, what, I'm, what I'm saying is we, we can listen to our subscribers and if our subscribers say to us, which they quite often do and it's brilliant, they'll text us and say, why don't you do a show about this? Within a day, we can have that show done and we can put it out. And that's, that's like a really exciting thing for me is that we can, we have this um, like amazing community that, the that, that they've built from, from the beginning of the Anfield rap until now that, um, of of sub subscribers that are not just listeners and and paying customers, they're they're advocates and they want they want to see it do well, but they also, you know, they 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 want to sort of have their input and they'll they'll you know, you guys will know like you know the, the subscribers will say to us like oh we we really really like this want more of this and then we'll be able to do it we will you know we'll be able to do it as quickly as 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 that we can put it on our own app we don't have to rely on anyone else and we don't have to. We don't have anyone above us saying you have to do this, you have to do this, this, you have to do a story that gets this many clicks. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to toe this certain line. We, we don't, we just, we just listen to what our listeners want to hear and, and, and try and give them it as much as possible. You, you look like you've really um, kind of, to, in my, to my mind, stepped up during the lockdown. Like, so, so you already know that the review is my favorite show, but I've really loved um, what's next. Uh, no, I, I, and I'm, I'm, if no one's approached you 
to like even contemplate some of the ideas that you've been putting out there, then then somebody is missing a trick. Um, but but it, it kind of really felt like you, you 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 like this week you put out some some kind of um, talk. You were talking about diversity in a few different contexts. Mm. I, 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 it feels like you've you've almost taken the moment and, and taken advantage of it. Is that how it's felt from from your end? Well, what was really interesting, like, and again, you know, it's suddenly, and a lot of this can sound almost, you know, quite structural and quite sort of um, practical, and it, it may not be what people necessarily want to hear, but it, there was something almost quite exciting and a little bit liberating in in the, uh, the the fact that the games disappeared, and I don't mean that like it was, you know, it was a huge problem that the games disappeared, and uh, and it obviously, you know, with the 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 context of the league stuff, but what it suddenly meant was it meant that. You know, we were absolutely in the run of the season where it's game, 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 pre-match, post-match. What are you doing next? How's this going to work through? You, you love the review. Review after that one, review after that one, review after that one. This is it. This is the way this runs. And there was somewhere on the horizon, which does become a little bit like, all right, well, where have you got the ideas from? And what have we got? And what's our, what's our sort of creative stuff saying? But we suddenly had, we had, we had a couple of really interesting things happen, which is obviously all of that disappears. So what are you going to do? Um, so that that that's thing one. Thing two is what became really clear to us quite quickly was that we are important to our subscribers and listeners, that it's important that the Anfield rap is there. Even if they didn't want it when they wanted it, the idea of a sense of that there was the option of normality within the world, this thing that they've grown used to, that they wanted us to be present. And that, that came over really, really quickly. Um, and we made clear to people that we were going to be. And the third thing that happened was there was something in the liberation of literally what we're doing now in that, you know, we've been very committed and will continue to be when we can be to doing our work where with, with people in the same room. You know, I think it matters. I think it's important. And I think it's part of how you, 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 you enjoy football. That's what we want to put over. We always want to add to Liverpool supporters as lives. You know, that's, it, we're meant to be a boost to that. We want to make that better for people. Uh, and part of that is having people in the same room, bouncing off one another, making each other laugh. But that disappears for everyone. It disappeared for everyone almost instantaneously when this thing happened. And we went into lockdown a week early because of because as part of that, we have 60 people come through our studio on a weekly basis. And that didn't feel at all safe all of a sudden. So we just went, right, that's it. We've got to close the doors. And then suddenly it is, well, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And everyone stepped up. You know, everyone stepped up. Contributors had ideas, things that they wanted to do, stuff that they'd been thinking about for a while. You know, everyone in the team what had an idea of something we could do that was different. You know, I'm, we're, we're trying to process them, get them formatted, get them sort of scheduled in, get when's it gonna, the recording going to happen, how's it all going to come together. And we, you know, I'm made up with what we've put out and a lot of what we've done, we're going to keep. So there's some shows that we've, we've, we've innovated during this period, we're going to keep. We're going to do, even when things return to whatever normal is, we're going to do a little bit more stuff remotely. We're not going to feel as though we can't, which is perhaps how we felt in the past. So if we've just got someone really, really good, but they can basically, you know, for an interview, hypothetically, and they're happy to do an hour and there would be a great guest, but they can only do an, you know, they can only do it from their house on a Friday night at half 10. Well, we'll just do it over Zoom on a Friday night at half 10. Uh, and we'll make that actually, we'll literally make that into a feature that we've got the option of that. Uh, you know, stuff like we came up with Agony Hour uh, that had been getting kicked around for a month beforehand, but we put that into action um, pretty quickly. We'll be continuing on with that. We'll revisit. We parked for now the What's Next stuff, but we will revisit it and, and maybe find a new format for it. So, you know, finding a footy fix, really good um, on the spot. Loved it. Um, really enjoy watching it, to be quite honest with you. you cannot, often there's a way to tell the ones I like and then I'll take myself off them. Uh, so I can watch them with other people's on and not feel as though I'm about to turn up in a minute. Um, so I just so I just become somebody who consumes that. You know, I book every Thursday's AFQ for me uh, because John hosts that one. So I'm like, who, will I, who do I fancy listening to? So, you know, you get to see that in there. And so we will continue with some of that. But it was, you know, it, it was an interesting thing to have happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not want it to happen again. And it obviously comes with all the other connotations. But it was interesting. As I say, we will use bits and pieces of what we've learned. To, to add to the offer and make it better. Uh, I think not to do that would be daft. Cool. Sean, uh, do you have a, any questions? I, I was just going to um, point out, and I, I was actually on my phone right now trying to find what the date was, but you were on the, the Zonal Marking podcast at one point over the winter. I believe it, or there was a podcast, I, I think it was Zonal Marking, um, with Michael Cox. Yeah. 
Uh, I will have Michael Cox on with us. I'm not quite sure if I've done Michael's show. I don't know if that's, that's worked that way, but I've done stuff with Michael. Uh, get on really well with him. He's a nice man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, so it, that was, I just, I mean, that, that was, that was great. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess just going back and thinking like bigger picture, I know like at, at the other thing I was thinking about is that my, my job, um, I know we've kind of done some of the similar things. You kind of take a step back and try to make lemons out of lemonade or, or lemonade out of lemons, basically you know, the situation. And, and a lot of the stuff, you know, you're, we're going to continue to do like, we started doing uh, webinars, which we hadn't done previously. We'd only done in-person training. Um, mm. And now we're going to continue to do webinars. And we, we started a podcast and we plan to keep doing that. Um, you know, it kind of feels like everybody's doing a podcast these days, which I'm sure makes your job, you know, you always got to kind of stay on top of it, which it seems like <laughs> you have. Um, Cause there's so much variety and there's so many options, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been an interesting time, but I think that there have been some good things come out of it. And, and, you know, one of them is that, like we're getting to do this, this talk to you guys today. Exactly. We wouldn't have done that previously, you know? Um, and, and so that part of it, that part of it is good. P- people, you know, hopefully people don't lose sight of that, that there are some good things that are coming out of this. Um, yeah, I think I, I agree on that. And I think that, you know, we want to do more of this sort of stuff with, with other supporters club. So, you know, get in touch, give Craig a shout and we'll sort something out because we were going to come to the States. And for me, that was almost the biggest negative. You know, we planned, it was the most committed we've been to a US tour. Normally when we do the US tours, it's like it, it's connected with the team. The team come and do pre-season and we do stuff both you know we do stuff uh live shows and amongst the live shows we're doing audio shows and amongst the audio shows we're hoping to be able to get like you know ideally uh, you know something like that but we never know before the tours start if, if it will happen so it's always like the multi-purpose whereas this was going to be our first like we we chosen the timing of it and we were coming over for seven days and in those seven that seven days we've done six live shows every single night not recording anything else not around the, the team weren't around and that was, we were really looking forward to that. It was going to be something fresh. And that's, you know, me and Craig had, had a couple of meetings uh, with Gareth and John about shaking the format up to our live shows, which is really good, but thinking we'll do it a little bit differently. And then to lose that was a real, you know, it was just a real shame because we love getting out in front of people. And I'd like to think people think we are open to listening to what they say. And the best way to have that is the live shows. Really good example is, you know, I've for years talked about stripping AFQ back or getting rid of it altogether. Um, and when I was at my closest to getting rid of it altogether phase, uh, we went to Ireland and we did a live show in Dublin. And on one night, separately, five different people had a chat with me and John to tell them. And it was different people. We, we pointed them out to one another at the end and to tell, and, you know, it was a live show of 200 and five came up and detailed how important AFQ was for them. And they all had different reasons. You know, some, some was around mental health, some was around a strange sort of loss of connection with friends when they reach a certain age. And so getting to hear our thing, you know, it really helped them. And so, you know, it was just really interesting. And I sort of said to John after that, well, we're not getting rid of it then, are we? Uh, because the people have spoken and, you know, I think it's, I think that that, that stuff matters. And to have lost that really with the US supporters, because that's really important for us, the, the relationship with, you know, we want to we want to grow uh, in the United States for a variety of reasons, really. But one is that the sort of, sports-based conversation that's over there i actually think the anfield rap works really well in that space i think that you know the the more sort of analytical stuff that we do works well in that space but i also think that the the united states supporters really manage to identify with the city in a really fascinating way so on both fronts you know i think that there's there's there's, there's people out there who you know not every liverpool supporter um necessarily would want the Anfield rap in their lives, although I'd, I'd like to think that's the case, but not ne- not necessarily every single one would. But I do think in the United States, there's potentially a lot of a lot of people there who, who support Liverpool for whom, you know, the Anfield rap could be something really, really good. So we were going out there to to do that for the first time, really, to, to do, a, do a tour for that purpose and to spread that word and do radio stuff around it. So to have lost, that's a real shame. So doing this stuff's really important for us. And we do want to we do want to speak to as many different people as possible to say you know give us a try see see what you think. I think it's definitely it was a two way thing as well with the US tour. Like one of the things I love about going is like we get to bring a bit of Liverpool to to um, you know wherever we go in in the US, but then we get to um, almost like experience a little bit of what each of the supporters yep. clubs in 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 the US you know call their home for watching uh, for watching Liverpool I am um, like I love the idea that you go into a bar that uh, a sports club say Delaware with with Catherine Rooney's or um 
I'm I'm trying to remember what the one in Chicago was last year that we went to, but you know, you walk into it and it's this Liverpool bar and you get the sort of you get the experience how they consume football. And it's different to us, but it's not really that different to us because actually what um supporters clubs in America from from the outside what I can see them doing is like almost creating like a little bit of Liverpool in this bar, like creating their own Anfield. So for instance, I think I've said to you before, Paul, like I loved um, after the, the European Cup final, we were on the bus back from the European Cup final and that morning, I'm just spending it on my phone, going through all the, the Facebook groups that I was in, watching the videos that people were posting because, you know, Chicago or New York when they're when they're outside and they're stopping the taxis or, you know, um, Boston, how they, you know, just seeing everyone's videos of, of them celebrating like this thing that we all celebrated together at the same time, but in different time zones and completely different continents. That's really exciting to me. So that's like one of the things that, uh, we sort of missed out on and like Neil said we were able to choose exactly where we wanted to go uh, and it, and it's funny because we'd, actually, we'd chosen five <laughs> dates <laughs> we'd chosen five dates and then and then Paul you come into the office and you were like well what about us and I was like well can we make it work and he's like yeah we'll make it work and you I think we just sorted the day and, and we were able to do it and that's again that's yeah. like that's an exciting thing that we make our own rules we're able just to go Ah, fuck it. We'll just we'll just put another date on. We'll just we'll go to Delaware. <laughs> well, I did recall that you said, "Oh, we definitely have to go to Edmonton because they're really good friends with us." And uh, I'm like, "Oh, we've, well, we've never we've never been to, we've never been to Canada." And yeah. Uh, yeah. and 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 that was like, and, and there's a lot of Reds in Canada, and because yeah. and, and we've never been, and the team never goes because whilst there's a lot, there's not the population density, the United States, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And everyone understands it, so everyone's nice about it. But there is a thing where it was like, okay, is there a way? And as part of we were talking about this, it went from being the US tour to the North American tour because what we realized was, right, we could do Toronto at the start of it then. Yeah. And, and stuff like that matters, you know, and, that, and we're not just limited to that. We, we, this was more East Coast and, you know, we were actually talking about doing something in October that was West Coast and, and sort of timing this around international breaks. And so it is, you know, that is a massive blow and it is a real shame because, because we do enjoy them. And as I say, get in front of people, but also as Craig says, like that sort of collective imagination for me, it's really important. Like if there's one thing I'd say to anyone who's listening to this, if you can manage to afford it and you've never been to Liverpool and Anfield go. And the reason for that isn't as simple as, you know, as well, you support the football team. I think if you go to a place once, then you can always imagine it. And that's where I think, you know, I think we've got really good kinship with the Anfield. Like I want we do our post-match pints, a post-match uh, pint in, in tier and we do our post-match uh, pink. In, uh, in the Glen Book. And so people need to go to the tier in the Glen Book, but you only need to go once because you've been there then. The things don't change that much and you can imagine it. And that's what I want for people, you know, and I think that that matters massively. I think if you go to Anfield once, then you can spend the next five years watching from afar. That's fine. But you can sort of remember what it was like in that ground and you can transport yourself back there. And I think but the, the flip side of that, though, is, you know, we do think of the places we've been in the US. You know, we do talk about what will they think about that there? What will the Irish think about that? What will the London Reds think? Uh, because, you know, at times we, we do focus in a great deal on the city and we're proud to. But, you know, we do want to be able to, to have something that resonates in a number of different places. So the more of these places we go to, the more we feel as though there's, there is that sense of shared experience, as Craig says. Awesome. Actually, Charlie is the last of us to be in Liverpool. He was at the United game. Bells out, well in. Yeah. And, and he was the guy <laughs> that was, was That was incredible. So, so James yeah. took a video, right, of the Salah goal, which is just awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. cop end. Not, in, not only the Salah goal, he also happened to swivel back to Mo standing there shirtless as Ali slid into <laughs> him on his knees. And then, and then of course, for me, the, the climactic moment of the entire season was the cops singing, we're going to win the league. I'll tell you what, what, what an amazing, what an amazing experience. I will never, ever forget it. It's why it's it's why for me this season, you know, everyone's trying to do the will you be disappointed or anything like that. And you were there, Charlie, but whatever anyone was in the world, whether it was in a supporters club bar, you know, in Delaware or one in Melbourne, like we had that moment against Manchester United where, you know, everybody, I think, even the people who were trying to who were trying to, to cry it in, even the people who were saying you never know if things can go wrong the moment when everyone had to say this is happening. Uh, for me, you know, it was inarguable yeah. after after Leicester away. Yeah, you know, they won they win the league at Leicester away. That should be the day default. They come back from Qatar, Leicester a second, and instead they go and swap them four 0 
mm-hmm. uh, and they play brilliant stuff. And you know, it's that's what winning the league is. And we had that. We had Leicester on the twenty sixth of December. We had what happened to Manchester City the following night against Wolves, where they drop points. We have that. We then go and beat Wolves. We beat Sheffield United. We have all of those things that add up. And that's what winning the league is. And that's, you know, when you've got enough of them, that's when you they, they give you the thing. So it will be a shame not to be there. And it will be a shame to socially, when you're, you know, you're talking about so you're at your gaff and you're socially distanced. And it will be a bit, bit of a shame that there's not everybody you want in there. And it's not that moment in the, quite the same way. But you've had that moment. You had it for Man United and you had it for Leicester and you had it for Aston Villa at the start of the season, you had those moments all together. And I think that that's what, that's what winning the league is and you've had them and, and, and we've all had them. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's phenomenal and why this team is just, you know, I mean, thank God the 25 points cleared and not six uh, as we return. Yeah, that's the other part of it. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if, if it was closer, you wouldn't feel quite the same way. But, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. We're running away with it. And, and I like, yeah, the Leicester game was amazing. Um I think at that point, I agree. Like, I, I, in my head, I felt like we were going to win the league, but you weren't – I agree with Charlie. Like, you weren't comfortable saying it until we beat United that way, you know. At that, that's, that's the point, at least for me, I felt comfortable saying it out loud. Because um, you just had this, this, you know, the creeping in the back of your head that something awful was going to happen, um, but not, not with this team, so – I think it's. I think it's been strange for us. I think, um, you know, before this lockdown period, when when I think of Liverpool winning things, like, well, it's never been the league, so it's always cup competitions. And then the way that they've won um, these cup competitions, so they win the European Cup and they beat, you know, they beat Spurs quite convincingly. Although there's 75 minutes of torture, but before that they had to beat Barcelona 4-0 and the greatest comeback you've ever seen. Yeah. Um. You know, 2005 in Istanbul, they have to you know, they have to be 3-0 down to then win it. So then, you know, uh, West Ham as well in the FA Cup in 2006 is the Gerrard one where he has to, you know, score with the last kick of the game. And and, and so it's always felt like through my lifetime of, of watching Liverpool and seeing Liverpool, you know, win things that it's been through adversity. And yet there, in general, Klopp's reign, they've had to overcome adversity time and time again. But then it's funny that they get to this season and then they just they blow everyone out of the water, mm. um, and and so that that I suppose that did feel like a strange sort of thing. I had a mate who's a United fan. And he was like, "Well, you know, now that you're 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 that far ahead, it's not going to feel the same for you." And I was like, "Mate, there was there was two months there where Liverpool were continually coming from behind. The Leicester game, you know, where it looked <laughs> as if we were going to draw and drop points, and Milner scores. The that the the Villa game where with ten minutes to go, we're we're one 0 down, and the best I remember." at that stage I remember like I prayed and I am in no way um, religious but I sometimes do this which is feels unfair um, when Liverpool when I need a goal for, from Liverpool and I remember think like praying <laughs> thinking just give me one just a draw a draw will be fine it's not a, and and you know they give me two and, and and that's the thing about this Liverpool side is that like there was that month or two in, in November and December where it was just like you know even if we were getting beat or we, we were drawn and looking as if we were going to drop points they just said, nah, we're going to find a way. And so that's what winning the league is. It's probably taught us all that, that like winning the league is the, you know, it's the 38 games over a, over a season. It's not the, you know, it's not the, 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 the four big games in a knockout or it's not the big cup final that you get at the end that all, ha- you know, all leans on 90 minutes. It isn't that. Um, it's good. It'll, it will be strange. It'll be, it'll not be the way that I've envisaged it my whole life and sort of longed for it my whole life. But I think we've all sort of come to terms with the fact that it is going to be a bit different than what we thought it'd be. And I think, um, you know, I think with, with everything going on and the fact that people were trying to, you know, talk about null and void and talk about it, maybe stopping and all of these things that actually, you know, us winning it and us having to watch it in our gardens with one mate or having to watch it in, in your pub, um, you know, socially distanced and, and at tables. Well, you know, we're going to see Liverpool in the league. So it doesn't matter really in the long run. And I think they'll win it next year and then it'll be an even bigger party. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that. We really had the rug pulled out from under us here. Not only were we, we were expecting you guys at the end of, uh, at the end of March, um, but then we had the uh, the what they call a, was it NBC Mornings um, Fan Fest, a, a big Fan event FanFest yeah. in Philadelphia, which was going to be the weekend of the City game, which at that point could well have been the clincher because that would have taken care of six points if we'd knocked them off. 
and you know everything stops so yeah i tell you we we feel a little bit you know like yeah. i i don't know whether it was necessarily going to be anticlimactic but uh but you know since everything has just stopped it, it's it's just you know you, you're left with this big empty void when you're expecting just celebrations and parties and such a good time for those that that week or so one thing it has done though it has yeah. given us the chance to to look at like the fabinho goal against manchester city about a hundred times <laughs> and really kind of you know it might have got lost in the season you know and you know three months of <laughs> I've also seen the Barcelona highlights more times than I'd care to acknowledge. <laughs> I like full match. I don't know highlights here. Yeah. <laughs> At least the second half. So yeah. I, I know we're like running way over time. Just so Bye. two things before we're, um, we're, we're, we're done. Um, we, we usually go, did you have a question for us? Maybe we'll go to, go to that and then we'll, then we'll wrap up. Well, I'm, I'm just interested in sort of hearing how you guys started and, and how you've kept it going and how you've you've grown because you were asking us about the Anfield Rap story and, yeah. you know, like one of the things I sort of like asking sports clubs are learning a bit about them is sort of their history and how they've come about and and just sort of how um, you've seen Liverpool's support grow um, during the last five, ten uh, and even 15 years. Wow. Um, so... The the LC Delaware predates, I think, all of us. Um, but as I understand it, there will the, the, there were like a handful of people would come out for the average game to our bar, Catherine Rooney's. But it, it, as I was saying before, you started recording. It was a bar that was shared with other sort of supporters groups. Um, and, and my first time I went and watched a match there uh, was at the end of the 2013-14 season. It was actually the Crystal Palace game, and there were three other three other people there apart from me uh watching that game and you know I, 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 as i as i remember it uh I, so so history has somehow made this game more important than i think it actually was because I, I think at the time i i remember going thinking you know we you know we've blown it we're not we're not going to win the league mm-hmm. and i know people make a lot now of the fact that oh there were three ahead but um mm. but i expect i also expected um more people the 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 big kind of next increase that we experienced so so that that was kind of you know not an unusual crowd for a you know especially i think it was a monday night game um but then when klopp came in and we made it to the um the uh, europa league final was that 2016 um all of a sudden there's like 40 people in the bar like liverpool fans watching this game where all these people come from and, and I think as a consequence of that, we then applied to become an official supporters club, which eventually happened around 2017. But even like the application, we probably had a hundred names on our like our distribution list, and 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 you know a minority of them would go to most games. I think the big lift has been a combination of just the team becoming the team that they are now, and um, kind of the official thing people started to kind of find us on social media. So um, this is, this is I'm, I'm kind of chopping up the story here, but mm. <laughs> they, so we're now at 300 people on our mailing list, uh, which is, is, is relatively small because the Hytham from Chicago said they have 4,000 people on their membership list, for example, and Perth has 6,000. But um, I would say of the 300, we've got um, about 200 people who are kind of paid up members who are likely to come and watch any given game. And for, for the last few games um, before the lockdown, we were getting north of like 60, 70 people in, in the bar, which, you know, if you think about like three 2014 uh, and now, you know, 70 and they're not all the same people. Like it's like people come and go, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's particularly this year, really awesome to experience watching the games in the bar with, with folks. Um, it's great. Anyone else got know. to add? What have, what have I I'm sure I missed something about. Uh, well, in- I got to say that during, during this whole uh, pandemic, uh, Paul has done a, a lot, lot of work in, in keeping everyone together, doing a lot of social happy hours and mm-hmm. catch ups and, and that kind of thing. And of course this this podcast and you know the koozies looking for you know looking to, to order some of the uh, the face coverings uh, and, and so on. 
So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much spare time uh, Paul has to, to put towards <laughs> this, but he's been doing a huge amount of work to, to really just adapt to, to the situation because obviously, you know, everything we were able to do as a, as a uh, supporters club beforehand has been blown out of the water and it's just now think outside the box and what can we do to, uh, to, to continue this. So good job, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Paul's put a ton of work into it. Um, and also to put in context, like Delaware, there's less than a million people in the whole state. There's like Chicago's, I don't know how many million people, not, yeah. not even including the metro area. So, uh, you know, 300 is a pretty good number for, for our area. I mean, the city of Wilmington, where we're based, is only about 75,000 people. So, is that the state capital? Uh, no, Dover. Dover. Is actually. It's, Dover's in the middle. A lot of the U.S. states, not all of them, the, the capital's in the middle. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like a random city. And that's okay. kind of Dover. <laughs> but Wilmington's the largest city and it's it's only seventy five thousand people. So compared to Chicago, that's you know, not very big. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we, we would have enjoyed ourselves, don't you worry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. One of the things um that stuck out to me is talking about like how it's it's like the moments that you take away from you. Like if you've gone to Anfield once, you can remember it for years. And one of the things that I think of this year is even like for me, I just, the, the first match I came to was end of last season, uh, Newcastle, I think it was, or Wolves. Wolves, I think. Yeah. Wolves, yeah. But it, whatever the, 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 like the last day of the season was, I just yep. happened by chance to come in and kind of fell in with the whole crowd and then watching every match there this season. And even from the first games in August through till, you know, whenever we stopped in, in March then, the crowd growing every week. Um, but some of those ones sticking out like boxing day, um, the, the, the derby I remember was ridiculously like cra crammed pack. You had to like elbow your way through the crowd and stuff like that. So when we had all those Spurs fans and Arsenal fans and that one Watford guy, kind of <laughs> giving us a little bit of flack, like saying like, Oh mate, you're going to, you're going to screw this up. You're not going to win the league. Or when we're going into the whole Mullen void thing and people saying, you're not going to win the league. We won the league in December, like you said, and we've been celebrating since then. Um, whether the league was rendered null and void or not, we still won this league. Um, absolutely made everyone in the league look silly. And yep. just being able to enjoy that with these guys every week is what it's really all about. Definitely. It's the communal experiences, isn't it? It's the, yeah. it's the sort of the, the shared experiences that you have with the, the people that, you know, loads of them that you've met through just supporting a football club, which is, is mad and bonkers if you think about it, that there's these little communities started about all over the world just because you have this one common interest that's a football club in Liverpool. Um, but it's but it's a brilliant thing, I think. And um, you're right, it's, it's quite often the people that you've watched it with and the people that you've shared those experiences with, the celebrating Mo Salah against United or, you know, the, the Origi goal in the Champions League that you, you remember the night with them rather than, you know, the, the actual goal itself, I think. Yeah. More often than not, thanks to... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean that's a big part of the communal experience as well <laughs> wait a minute did they get any proposal considerations I'm not sure we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no we're not allowed to talk about Murphy's apparently <laughs> <laughs> yeah they only sell Guinness in our bar by the way just uh, that's that's why <laughs> um, apparently they sell the most Guinness in Delaware right the, our bar, the bar that we go to Catherine Mooney's yeah do my part so there we go. Good on them. Large amount of it on St. Patrick's Day, usually, probably. Uh, a fair, fair amount during our game. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They have a huge show, St. Patrick's Day thing. They so I'm going to wrap it up by going, going around, um, kind of picking on the most interesting Liverpool related thing you came across this week. And I think there's a lot of stuff to choose from because uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start with on Thursday, obviously, Liverpool played at Anfield, it turns out, against uh, Blackburn Rovers. Um, and on Friday, when we did our, our happy hour, we kind of watched the 12-minute, whatever it is, highlights package. And it, like, it, it was very uplifting, just in terms of you know, watching them play again. Um, look, they're looking so good, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure they picked the highlights up specifically, but just a, uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, just 
kind of whet your appetite for what now? Seven days time. Because uh, we're recording this what on uh, June 14th. Seven days time, they'll be back. So I'm going to go around in the order I can see you. I'm going to start with Neil. What's the one highlight from this week? I uh, really enjoyed the, there was a James Pierce piece in the Athletic uh, around Liverpool got to top the Fair Play League uh, and win the title. And he, mm. what's in there that's interesting. And there was some stuff in the comments that was just a bit daft where people were saying, well, it wasn't quite like that, but there was a lot, used to be a lot of chat that they were too, that Liverpool were too nice. Yeah. Um, and part of what was cited around that was, you know, stuff like Fair Play Leagues and all of that sort of stuff. And and I may well have, you know, I've, I've always been very much on the, 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 the point of view of get right on the referees back early and stay there uh, whilst playing football. And I think actually Liverpool do do more of that now. And I think Liverpool do take time out of the game. I think they're not shy uh, around what you sort of get phrased as dark arts. But the point is, is that they are, you know, for the fourth consecutive year, going to top that fair play league. Last season, they got 97 points. And this season, they could still break 100 uh, whilst topping it. And and I don't think that's an accident. You know, I think that part, so, so much of what they do really, really well is based around a sort of sense of, of discipline of when the ball can be won, where it can be won, when's the right time to make a certain type of tackle. Uh, and I think that that's, that's something that this team's great at. So that was a really good piece and it illustrated that quite nicely, but also like a lot of uh, good writing, it allows you to have a lot of jump jump off points and think about the side itself and sort of build your own article on top of it in your own mind. Yeah, I, I did read a good point. It was a good piece. It had lots. So it, it talked about Mane being fouled twice as much as Salah in that yeah. piece. Am I right? Wow. Which yeah. I thought was fascinating. It's like, uh, and that Firmino's given away 118 uh, free kicks across three seasons, uh, but has never been booked. Um, is, <laughs> is, 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 is something that was very interesting indeed, and, and is definitely part of what Firmino does. Uh, but it might, you know, it's as though the referees just think, oh, "He's a lovely lad, isn't he?" You know, <laughs> sound. <laughs> Look at him, and lovely hair, lovely smile. Yeah, and he's a striker. Yeah, he's like his lad. Wasn't it that the Firmino used to be a defensive midfielder when he was a kid, and that's yeah. why he's sort of so good at hustling, hurrying, and sort of stealing the ball off people? But like, I bet if he did exactly the same things, but in Fabinho's position, yeah, he'd be getting yellow cards all over the shop. But he's a striker; <laughs> he's, he's up top; he's nowhere near their goal. So just nah, that's a free kick. Let him. It's free kick. It's the big teeth yeah. as well, like probably, but yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 we well, don't need to be sharing this though, do we? That's that we don't want the referees to be reading this. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's keep it out of the minds. Bobby does give them the occasional opportunity by whipping off his shirt. Oh, that, sorry, that is that is the only booking. Sorry, that was that one booking. That's the only one he's had. The one against Stoke. He did specify. That's it. That's the only one. So he hasn't actually had one for the fouls. It was for the uh, the, the wonderful whipping off of the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Craig, what have you noticed this week? Um, I, I mean, the, the Coutinho stuff over the past 24 hours has been interesting. Um, less so for sort of how concrete any of the rumours are, but more the debate around it and sort of, um, I mean, I I, I suppose it, it's looking at the two stances. One, it's like, I definitely have him back. I don't care what he's done. And it make, makes me sort of think about how we sort of think of footballers and, and football in general, that we're just so quick to forgive if it's, you know, if it's going to benefit the team that will do anything to make the team better. And I'm kind of on that boat in terms of um, in terms of Coutinho. I know he sort of fakes back injuries allegedly, and you know kicks up a fuss and wants to go and so on. Um, but I mean, I'd still have him back. I'd have him back on 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 a much reduced fee if we can get it or on loan. Um, I mean, I'd have him back and stick him on the bench and make him work for his way back into the team. You know, pay cut. You know, the whole heap that now he's no longer the best footballer. He comes in as probably the ninth, tenth best footballer in the <laughs> uh, in the squad. And there's something exciting about that. Um, but it was interesting sort of seeing then the other arguments, the other the other side of it all, where it's like, you know, what he's done. We're you know we're much better without him. And then it made me feel sorry for him because then you think about it and he, he, he leaves at a time when we reach a, a Champions League final with this brilliant run that Jurgen still talks about as like, you know, he spoke about it in the, the interview Neil had with him, um, the Anfield rapper. He's like, you know, I love that run. We didn't win anything. And people say that, you know, it doesn't mean anything because you haven't won anything, but I love those experiences. So Coutinho will have been sat at home watching that happen and thinking, oh, but at least I'm in Barcelona. At least I'm playing for the club that I always wanted. And then it doesn't go very well the next season for him. And he's had to watch us uh, win the European Cup. And then, obviously, what's happened this season, we're going to win the, the, the Premier League and he's not been involved in it. That must be an awful thing. <laughs> and, and it's also, you know, it's also another sort of... Um, another reason why if, anyone, if any player was thinking of leaving Liverpool um, out of this squad, I would just sort of look at what's happened continue since and think, is the grass always greener? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
cool. Do you think those rumors are real though? Because the one thing I saw was a, like a tabloid. Well, it's it. We don't know. Yeah. I think the the guy uh, is it someone Palmer. He got the Van Dyke stuff, and he got one other one right. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I can't remember who it was. It was the other. So he's got some credence, even if the newspaper that he's working for is a bit shit. Okay. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think the club. It's it's. I think last summer when when there was talk around it, I think. Um, we we spoke loads about like culture and and whether you know the way that he acted, what how that influences the culture that that clubs mm-hmm. built within his side, um, and whether it disrupts it uh, and so on. I think, I think, uh, uh, sort of my opinion, and it's from the outside. I feel like Coutinho has sort of been taught lots of lessons now that he comes back with it with the with the tail between his legs in my opinion and sort of has to work to 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 get where he where he was before and I think there'd be something really interesting in him having to do that. I, I asked the question because uh Charlie and Sean have a very unhealthy dialogue going <laughs> on on our um Facebook Messenger group about transfers. Uh and I usually try to ignore most of them but you know now you've given some credibility to that one. I'm I'm fearful about what's gonna happen next. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. I, I didn't mean to add any credibility. Oh no, no, no! I'm learning. Craig has no credibility whatsoever in the field. Uh, <laughs> no, I have. I have negative credibility. I just like to kick around. Yeah, yeah. Craig, make no sure. <laughs> but to be honest, like, I'm not. I'm not in the transfer. Like I don't. I, in terms of, um, you know, like the. The, the sort of people talk about you know the rumors and people going on and reading the room. like I have no interest in that until it's about to be done like Timo Werner was boring me because he was constantly coming out until whenever it obviously comes out that he's going to sign for Chelsea there was a bit of me that was a bit like oh thank god that's over now we don't have to listen to him now we don't have to talk about it either but Coutinho I think there's just something about it that I like I like a nice story that's got a nice ending and and you know he, he has the up and then he has the down and then I just like this idea that he comes back and, and is brilliant for us again. And, and yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what do you got, Charlie? What was the... Uh, the thing that, well, well, I mean, it was great to see them, uh, Liverpool back, back in action against Blackburn. But I read this article about what potentially Klopp's next uh, tweak uh, to the team will be. And, I mean, that's something that fascinates me is the fact that is really is just able to adjust things and, and adapt to new rules and, you know, uh, also adapt to people adapting to the current game plan that he has. And they were talking a lot about either a diamond or a box midfield. And it really just, just reminded me our absolute wealth of, of top level midfielders, uh, both those who are in their prime at the moment and those who are up and coming and potentially could be a part of this team in the, in the future. And it was really just, it was very reassuring that, uh, you know, even though maybe we don't have as much, um, you know, backup for the front three that are able to just step in and be right at that level, but there is some really exciting possibilities for what we might be able to do. I mean, Minamino and Keita on, on, you know, on Thursday, from what I saw, looked really good. So did some of the kids. I mean, you know, it, it was, it's been a little while, I guess, since I read an article and, and walked away going, man, it doesn't matter if we don't get Werner or, you know, or whoever else. I trust Klopp and I trust Edwards and I trust them to do what we need to do and make the adjustments that we need to do to make so that we can continue this dominance in, in the next season. Cool. What, what was the article? Where was the article? It was uh, it was at uh, uh, this uh, this is Anfield. Okay. So sorry for the competitor shout out, guys. But uh, oh no, they're all very, very fascinating article. No, we're mates. Yeah, we're all mates. mates. Matt's great. All mates. Good job. So, so Tim, what 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 did you see this week? Well, I'll be a kiss up then and said I enjoyed reading on the Anfield rap uh, Gareth Roberts article that he put out. Was it Friday um, about our are Liverpool being set up for a fall um, by all this neutral venue nonsense and then pulling it back, um, basically daring the supporters to get out on the streets when we win the league or when we beat Everton. Um, just a lot of good historical context uh, for how football fans are regarded by the, the mainstream. Um, it was that, lots of good insight. Um, 
well done article and, and very interesting points. Not to be a complete downer, but check it yeah. out. It's, yep. it's, it's really it's good. Whole, whole big topic, but it was a good article. So, yeah, the, it's, it's great. Sean. Last uh, I, I, I enjoyed that uh, the club uh, responded to, I guess, a season ticket holder who brought up the topic of Black Lives Matter and they responded um, that the, the slogan is, it's not merely a slogan, but a principle of the players and the club as a whole support unequivocally. So that, mm-hmm. that, that just sort of, sort of further emphasized the other statements the clubs have made. Um, the other thing I wanted to make a correction, Neil, it was it was stats. It was a stats bomb podcast. I, ah. I couldn't remember what podcast I heard, but it yeah. was that was fantastic. Um, so I just wanted to say that. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed that. Good stuff. Yeah. We'll make other corrections uh, as we go along. Sure. Plenty of those. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much again, uh, Neil Craig, for joining us. Um, this was absolutely awesome. Um, great to see you. Um, and you know, maybe sometime in the future, we'll do the in-person thing as well. Next year, definitely. Next year. Yeah. Good stuff.